You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Go Plug Yourself. We've been talking to awesome people in Montreal since 2011. Just a friendly reminder that if you're going to be buying anything on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Zazzle.com, uh, go to 9to5.cc first and click the links at the bottom or in the sidebar so that we get a bit of that money. Uh, f- also, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and enjoy the show. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself. I enjoyed having the podcast. I'm asking a question about video gaming in general, which is which is going to be my job. That's going to be good. This is going to be it's going to be a good conversation because I play a lot of games. Walter, I play. I play. I think the last. This isn't. I think the last big non-wrestling title that you played might have been Far Cry Three. There's a distinct possibility. I'm playing another Ubisoft title now, actually. I'm Which play- one? Well, I'm just finally getting around to playing Rayman Origins. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's good fun. Yeah, so that's... So that's, that's I thought it was going to take a different turn there. That's my kind of gaming, so... Yeah. PR was going to jump in. Yeah. So, we're here with Alex Hutchinson. That's the one, with the uh, N. With the N. Hutchinson. Whose relatives were dyslexic? That's always the question I ask. When I see Hutchinson, Hutchinson, someone screwed it up somewhere along the line. Somewhere. It's probably very, very related. And you are the creative director of Far Cry 4. Indeed. And uh, obviously we're here at Ubisoft Montreal. You can tell we're in Montreal because there's Far Cry 4 posters and a bunch of the bus shelters coming there you up go. here. There you go. That's and, marketing. And you could hear, the, and you could hear, you'll maybe hear some of the sounds of the converted loft space that the building is in. Yeah, it's an old, it's an old, oh, they used to make clothes, it's an old garment factory basically. Oh yeah, the no, day I've, I've worked on St. Laurent, like in other offices like this. So. Up the top is still crazy because in the floor you see thousands and thousands of pins that have been sort of pressed into the wood by yeah. footfalls. It's kind of it's kind of cool to see the history of the building. I do like that. Although that's it creaks and coffee sometimes falls through the roof, so that's super huh. nice. That's the thing. That, that's the thing. When I came in first, so like right away in your uh, coming in in the lobby, like everything's like wood and wood pillars and all that stuff. And you're sort of the opposite if you think like video games are like oh this high tech world and there's going to be spaceships in here and all that. And you're like no, there's a lot of wood, a lot of open brick and it's very creaky which is kind of cool i guess it's yeah like, like open more. space open space i would say is a theme general every video game studio yeah. i've worked in has been pretty open yeah uh but the american style is, is far more corporate so you get you don't get a sort of rough hewn feel in the states yeah as, as, as well, i was like well, i don't know if you watch uh silicon valley like that's in my head that's what a gaming studio looks like even though they're not a gaming studio per se yep. but like i don't really think of a lot of wood no, which is funny because Silicon Valley, in general, in my experience, it was people in your friend's basement when I lived in California. Okay. So, you know, it's funny to me, too. They're like, it's like on Friends where everyone has a million-dollar loft. Yeah. I'm like, no, all the people I knew doing startups in Silicon Valley were eating ramen noodles. You know, it wasn't <laughs> like this at all. Uh, so, creative director, Far Cry 4. Um, are you, and you're, I read somewhere that you were going to be thinking about smaller games now. Because you've had a pretty big string of big games, right? The last two... Last, well, I mean, it depends how far you, back you go, but it was sort of Sims 2, Spore, Army of 2, 40th Day, Assassin's 3, and then Far Cry 4 in a row. Yeah, those, so those are all like... Biggins. Like summer blockbusters yeah, of video games. The different flavors of blockbusters, though. You know, different yeah. audiences, but yeah, they all, all, all had a big push behind them, so it would be fun to do something a, a little smaller, a little faster. Um, and, you know, it's hard to, as well, sometimes to be as personal as you'd like. So the smaller teams allow you to be a bit more intimate. Right. So I think that'd be fun. We'll gonna, see. Going to kind of go the... the Tim Schafer route of just well, like, no, it's still Ubisoft, so I'm still within the within well, no, the confines. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying the route of like of just kind of like smaller games, like much much shorter production time, and kind of like 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, the pitch at least has been. I think it would be great if we could alternate between the bigger things and then the more personal projects. You know, it would be amazing, sort of career-wise, for a lot mm-hmm. of people within the company to say, "I'm going to do this massive, you know, high-profile title," and then take you know six months, nine months, a year, however long it takes to do something smaller, mm-hmm. and then you know refresh your yourself and and recharge your batteries, and then go back to one of the big games. I think just for longevity and for having different ideas, uh, that would be <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Do you think that that's like uh, like indicative of kind of? It's a little bit weird that that doesn't happen more in games because it happens in other mediums. You see a lot, like in comic books, for instance. There's the guys who write for Marvel and DC, but then also have their their indie thing on the side. You see a lot of movie stars who will do their movie for scale and like small movie with a couple guys, and then they're you know yeah. And I think I think it's a lot to do with the amount of time. So you talked about actors and writers basically on that. So if you're a writer for a video game, it's not a full month job to do one book. Right. So you have room in your schedule, whereas the artists usually, it's going to be very tough. There's very few artists who could do more than one book a month uh, and knock it out. So they have to prioritize. Or even the actors, you know, the director is on the project for two years. Yeah. The writer comes in for three months. Yeah. So doing a two-week stint for someone else, is kind of, it works in your schedule. Yeah. Whereas games are uh, years, you know, for a creative director or any of the key roles, producers, lead designers, lead artists, art directors, all those roles is multiple years you're signing up for. Yeah. So there's 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 that in that it eats your life and it's usually more than a full-time job. Um, and then the risk profile for the company is, is different as well. You know, they, 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 they put a lot of money in. So the side project has yeah. to be pretty cheap right. yeah. <laughs> for them to, <laughs> for sure. to see the value. I was telling Keith on the way up here, I just, there's so much of what you do that I have, that I just don't understand at all. <laughs> like, I don't like, so this, explain this to me. What stage of development sort of do you come on board with Far Cry 4? Like, so like when you, when, when, when it's decided that you're going to be the director of this, when that's, when that's worked out, is the, is there already sort of the, the roots of the story? Do they know where they're going with it? And then they're like, okay, well, we're going to have Alex come on and direct this. How does that work? Uh, it depends. I mean, I, the, the simplest analogy would be film. You know, where sometimes there's there's existing material. You know, this Far Cry 4, I came on a little later than usual. Uh, so there were some ideas the guys were kicking around that they wanted to do. But obviously, as soon as you join, uh, it's up in the air again a little bit in terms of what are we going to keep, what works, you know, and what, what do I want to bring to it. And then obviously, it's a negotiation with all the other awesome people that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, other projects, you'll be in the door number one, and I'm hiring guys. Mm-hmm. So there'll be five of us in a room. And that's pretty true of all development. That it starts out very, very small, and it's a small collaboration that grows and grows and ends up with hundreds of hundreds of people. So the movie analogy does work right. pretty well. And then what happens? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, this is like, cause I'm like, so I, what, is it, what does he do, though? I mean, what, do you, what, what happens? Like, what, I think what Walter's as, as trying the, to say is that without actors in front of you. Yeah, because like, I mean, I... <laughs> I like I, I'm, I'm, I'm. He, he said know, the same thing. I, like, I was like, I was like, well, it's like think about like, like an animated film. And he's like, like I, don't I don't understand, understand that how either. animation directors <laughs> work either. You know, it's like, what happens? What do you well, it's do? The, it's a, I think it's the same job directing different skill sets and different people. So you know, we'll start with the principles of what we want to do and why we want to do it. Um, you know, we sort of know roughly our release date. We know sort of the scope of the project that we're being asked to to build or the scope we're requesting, and that's sort of an ongoing negotiation, like any project, I guess. Uh, and then you work with, you know, art directors, audio directors, um, you know, design directors, lead designers uh, to figure out how you're going to express those ideas. And so it sort of grows as you move. So you'll bring on the next level and they mm-hmm. d- they do a deeper dive on it and break down the systems you're 
you're you're asking for and bring it back and you edit and and massage it and then it goes down another level and we start to execute it and again we edit it so you see it um a bit more like an animated feature actually than a live action movie where you shoot it and then cut it mm-hmm. and it's so expensive to get the actors back in that you're either okay or not okay yeah. Yeah. when you hit the 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 editing room in games we're continually refining so sometimes even halfway through production you'll say this isn't working cut this section this section is great double down you know let's do more of it let's elaborate on it um so it's a lot of it's a lot of that and then at the end i do a lot of this which is you know sort of the internal communication at the start and now the external communication yeah. talking to you guys and trying to get people in the stores to, to buy a copy all right i was gonna go that what, what were you gonna say walter and i just said smooth that was really smooth. good smooth really, yeah. uh my question was i was like looking at the, the history specifically between uh the army of two forte uh assassin's creed three and far cry four those were like all three of them where you were like jumping into series. Did you, that, was that like cool for you or were you kind of like, oh, I kind of want to X game one, you know? Like, yeah, or... I mean, obviously that's <laughs> the, in the end, if you can get the budget and someone's foolish enough to agree, yeah. it's always fun to do something from scratch. But I think video games are different again from other media in that often the sequel still has a huge amount of room in it. Oh, yeah, so for sure. even for assassins, you know, as long as you're stabbing people and it's historical <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's open world. Pretty much everything else is open season. And Far Cry is even more open in that we knew it's basically a shooter and it's open world. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's going to be animals in it. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You know, so there's... <laughs> you're like, as long as you feel like you're screwed yeah. in this environment, you're pretty much in a Far yeah, Cry Yeah, and that's game. it. I mean, so, <laughs> like... so it's not bad for me to start with a few pillars, you know, in, in place because mm-hmm. there's still so much room for bringing your own opinions to, to bear on it. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing is when they when they give you something like that, you can you can pretty much be certain it's coming out. You know, so, you know, (laughs) games have the same strike rate as any art form where, you know, nine times out of ten, if you start something on your own, it's never going to see the light of day. So it's a it's a gift to have a project where people are are guaranteed to get behind it and and help you make it a reality. Um, But, yeah, there is still that that temptation to say a blank page would be amazing. Yeah. Is that what you're? Is that what you're looking forward to now? Hope, hopefully, I hope I mean, like, so. We'll like, see. You know, it's one in of those, a perfect world. Yeah, in a perfect <laughs> world. But like, you know, it's the the video game companies are a bit like the 30s in movies, where we're we're studio employees. Yeah. So we're not we're not contractors like modern movie production houses, where you come in to do just this project. You know, mm-hmm. my contract is ongoing. It's not for a project. Yeah. So you're much more, you know. Uh, at the at the whim of the uh, of the execs, you know, if they need you, then you know it's a negotiation. But then they need you. So, do you see yourself in a bit of a James Cagney kind of uh, situation? <laughs> no, more more like the you know the people or no the, one knows what their names are from right. the twenties and thirties of Hollywood cinema. Yeah. You think that's kind of like weird, like about video games that a lot of people don't like, with a couple of exceptions. The directors don't have that same name recognition the way they do in Hollywood. Do you think that that's like? That's strange in a way. Like I think, it, like, I think this is... game came out. It was made by Ubisoft. You're like, yeah, but Ubisoft makes a lot of games. Yeah, and they're all <laughs> different. And <laughs> they're yeah. all very different, and they're like. I think it is odd, but it makes sense to me in the sense that uh, video games are a much broader collaboration than a lot of art forms. Okay. So if you, you know, there's that horrible movie expression above the line, which is like the writer, the producer, the director, right. you know, and everyone else's opinion doesn't mean anything. Okay. And there's like seven names above the line, you know, and that's who you have to negotiate with. Probably if we had to have the same horrible cut in a video game. Uh, production the size of Far Cry 4 to be 30, 40 people above the line. Okay. So I think it's fair enough in that sense. Uh, in a, in another way, I think 
the only time we sort of knew directors was that brief moment in the 70s. You know, we know a few now. Yeah. But really, it's still a star system. They sell it with actors. Right. So everyone knows actors. And the, those of us who pay attention behind the scenes know a bunch of directors. Okay. But I reckon you could stand outside most movies with a, with a, with a microphone and say, who directed that movie? Yeah. And nine out of ten people would be like, I have no, I have no idea. Yeah. You know, and, I'm, and I think that even for huge names, you could say, that was Spielberg film. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. Cool. Here, here, here's my follow-up to that, though. As, as sort of like the cachet of, of high-profile games is ever on the rise, do you see that changing? Do you see there being a point where, you know, directors of games will be, you know, where there will be, like, more than a handful of known director names for video I can games? see it being more prevalent as as technology improves and, and we're less reliant on, uh, you know, engineers to, to execute even a basic vision. I think there's more room for smaller teams doing bigger projects. So I think I think you'll see it more. But I think it's the same as everything else in that people people don't necessarily uh, remember the movie directors' names either. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it'll be a radical shift. Right. Okay. Now, what I was gonna what I was what I also want to know is in, in terms of your direction, how involved are you if you're involved at all with the when it comes to like the voice acting and the motion capture and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's interesting. It depends on the project. Some of them I've been in the studio directing them. That was more, you know, older projects. These mm-hmm. days they're so big and there's so many things happening simultaneously that it's hard. So with Far Cry 4, for example, I, I was very much involved in the casting. So we did mm-hmm. file call on all the casting. And then what I wanted to do was go down to the studio, to the mocap studio, and, and basically present to the guys what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then hand it over to our, our uh, uh, you know, cinematics director, realization director, Dave Wilkinson. And then he did the day-to-day. You know, because it's still a, even for a game, which is, you know, 30 hours of game and 80 minutes of cinematics, you know, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. it's still a three-month shoot, you know, right. to get all that data. Right. 80 minutes is still almost a piece of film, right? right. <laughs> and, then, and then it's not, it's not even just editing that footage, it's bringing it back here and integrating it into the game and making sure that it works, because all of our cinematics these days are played at runtime, so they're not pre-rendered, mm-hmm. they're all in the game, so there's a huge amount of work, and it's, it's more than a full-time job. Uh, just to get all that in the in the game. Yeah, because no, you don't like cut to a cutscene anymore. You like walk into the yeah. Game, you you, know? it's, you try <laughs> to make smooth transitions, and obviously when the game changes, the cutscene needs to change, yeah. and vice versa. Uh, and so we we work a lot on that. And obviously, then once it hits the the back end, where we're starting to play through the whole, you know, game and essentially do the editing job. Uh, then I'm involved again where you'll, I'll be at his desk all day saying, what the hell is this? This is, <laughs> this is completely inappropriate for what we asked for or, you know, the mission changed. Who didn't communicate this? Um, you know, no longer makes any sense. Yeah. And, so, and we do a bunch of reshoots. We always schedule a couple of weeks for reshoots at the end okay. to come back in. And then you do the joys of actors' schedules and flying them around and trying to get them back in the black leotard. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. Uh, I want to obviously I want to talk about uh, the story of uh, Far Cry 4 itself, like the game itself. Um, like Keith, Keith was very much right in saying that that's probably the last game I played start to finish. Uh, that's not like a pro wrestling game or uh, <laughs> or you know or something or something more simple like a like a okay. like Rayman Origins or, 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 or 2048 or 2048 on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but. So we and like we mentioned before, we had spoke to we had we've previously interviewed Michael Mando, who was Voss, who was the the very much the face of the mm-hmm. Far Cry Three and Far Cry Four. I feel like it's sort of going on this, a similar tactic that has a similar kind of central bad guy, Char- charismatic villain. Yes, <laughs> just the Bond villain. Yeah, exactly. That was well because that was I think I mean okay, spoilers for Three. 
Like there was a if lot you of played it too late. Exactly. You had to do four is doing any spoilers for three. Exactly. It was twenty twelve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just that I, there was like people that were like really bummed that Voss wasn't the main villain, right? They didn't. A lot of people online didn't like. Was it Hoyt? I think Hoyt followed up after Voss. The guy that follows him. Yeah, the guy that he works for. Yeah. I think is Hoyt. And everyone was just sort of like, okay, okay, well. What about Voss? You yeah, know, just yeah. sort of like you take care of Voss somewhere in the middle of the game, and everyone's kind of bummed. And so, were you kind of like, was that one of your things? You're like, okay, my, not necessarily no spoilers for Far Cry Four, but it's like there's going to be a central villain who's and he's like obviously all over the posters, which is a little bit weird because you usually don't throw the villain all over. Yeah, well, I all think of your publicity, but but I think it's a sign of it's a sign of uh, video games in general, or in my opinion, the kind of direction we'll go. Plus. Um, you know, it's it's emphasized, you know, by the fact that Far Cry is a first-person game. Yeah. But really, the hero in any game is the player. You know, yeah. and you're seeing it more and more. People embracing this, and I think it's the right angle because you know, even though we have a story backbone and it's there, and we hope it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things that if we were gonna, if that was our goal, we'd make a movie. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's there to support the game. It's not there to be the game. Uh, in the sense that, you know, I don't know, even simple things like pacing, you're telling a joke in a story, you need pacing, you're, you know, you're trying to build to an action sequence, you need pacing. I don't know, once you leave the initial compound, if you're going to see the next cinematic for two hours, yeah, three hours, maybe you go on a vacation, you know, maybe you run straight there and it's five minutes. Maybe so we have do no a lot control. of hunting. Yeah, we have no control over, <laughs> over pacing. Exactly. You run after an elephant for 25 minutes exactly. laughing hysterically, and we don't know. <laughs> I need a new wallet. Yeah. And, so, and that's it. And then embracing that is the future of games, not, right. not, not trying to stop people from expressing themselves. Yeah. And you see that manifesting in the poster in that we, you know, we have a character who deliberately is mostly silent, who steps mm-hmm. away, who doesn't react to things on screen. Why? Because we want you to react to yeah. what's happening on screen. And maybe you're excited. Maybe you think it's funny yeah. to shoot a guy in the head. Maybe you think it's horrific. Maybe, you know, it was a surprise. So all these things mean that, again, we don't want this character of you are going to be, you know, blah, blah, blah in this yeah, story yeah. and feel this, you know, more. It's We're going to build a systems and, 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 and you react the way you want to react. So, yeah. Well, it's kind of like, and those, those are like, in a way, it's sort of a throwback to the way things were, right? Because like Nintendo never made Link talk. And Link, nope. Link, Link has never spoken ever. So you're yep. just sort of like, I don't know if Link's a psychopath or a really nice guy or like, or what? He's just... He never speaks, and it's like they've gotten to the point where they could have made him speak a long time ago, and they're just sort of like, you know what? I think, cr- I think you'd destroy your childhood. I think you'd have to stare <laughs> yeah. at you. Well, when, I, I think like, they, you know they learned their lesson when like Mario spoke, and everyone was like, "Come on, that's what Mario sounds like." Yeah. And now they're stuck, and that's how Mario sounds like forever. But I think, and I, and I think they've always been the forefront of that. Even though they were, there was a really interesting Miyamoto, Miyamoto in, uh, interview the other week, and he was talking about how he wanted to make the player the hero. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand games that try to make the author of the game, the hero. And I agree mm-hmm. with that 100%. It's interesting because this is the guy that put the first ending into a game in Mario, right? And he put the first, these linear platformers. So there's a little bit of like, okay, but you kind of structured it this way in the past. <laughs> it's your so, fault, Miyamoto. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. The, the protagonists are silent and it's about player expression and using the, the skills and playing with the toy mm-hmm. more than it is about him trying to tell you a story. Obviously, I don't think there's you know ever really been much more than a shell of a story in a yeah, yeah, yeah. Nintendo game. Now, r- remind me what the 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 country that it's that this Karat Karat. Now, is, is this this is a fictitious country? Yep. Yeah, but it's but it's yeah, okay because my you know global geography also not super strong, but <laughs> but it's very much supposed to be sort of it could be one of several countries, right? Yeah, it's and kind of a it's a blend of Kathmandu, Nepal, and right. the Himalayas. Nepal is what is what I was thinking because of the elephants and all that stuff, and and the elephants were right out there in the in the, the teaser trailer, mm. and the trailers, and which which I thought looked really cool. Um, is, is that which should say one of the 
bigger new features of the game? It's kind of, it's it's, the, it's one of the more obvious features, I guess, or the most visually resonant features. Mm. Maybe it's not for us. It's funny because people jumped all over it and then they got excited and then they started saying, "Wow, how can the elephant be the new thing?" And it's hard to explain, which was not really. It just looks cool. You know, it's like I'm cutting a trailer together. You know, I'm going to put the elephants in. It's not that this is a core system that we yeah, built, exactly. even though I think it's amazing. Uh, but, that would uh, be a really great subtitle to the game, by yeah. the way. Just Far Cry 4, Elephants. Elephants. Is that <laughs> question mark? On the, on, the, on the back, there were like elephant game mechanics like you've never experienced <laughs> yeah, before. Experience, exactly. <laughs> never experienced elephants like these. These aren't your dad's elephants. <laughs> it's like, the future what? of gaming. <laughs> so... Um, the the other question that I had that it was like when I'm reading up on you and stuff. Uh, how did you get into this whole thing? Because I figure you, like if Walter and I couldn't like knock up and be like, I'd like to be a creative director for some Slide of your, your some of your biggest door. franchises ever. <laughs> Call me if you need me. I would like that. Yeah. But I mean, because obviously there's like a we're sort of saying like the products that you've been associated with have like a pretty big track record, and they're they're all like as we we're saying big blockbuster style games. Which I mean, I guess would mean that there's a lot of trust in you. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to like, discuss your career. And that was the last time I worked, <laughs> and he never worked again. No, but it's just that with like you're you've been given very big franchises that are all sort of like well-established franchises, which to me means you're probably in a good place. It's like again, yeah. I don't really know everything, but how did you get there? Like, how were you given the point where you're like, okay, Far Cry Three, big success. Here you go, Assassin's Creed Two, big success. Here you go, you know, like. Mm. How do well, I think you... it's. I think it's. Uh, you know, part of it's being reliable, like anything. You know, okay. you 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 know, there's a history of, of of succeeding on those franchises, so that gives them comfort, I guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, but also, you know, it's it's a long haul. It's sort of 15 years of doing the job, um, going forward, and and you know, it's always a combination of the ideas you're pitching. You know, you talk to people, the relationships you have with people. Mm-hmm. You know, on the, I did the tour for. Assassin's 3 with Dan and a few of the other guys and so you know we were essentially on the bus together going around the world so we were standing there for three days in Germany mm-hmm. at Gamescom shilling the game and so you start talking oh why did you do this why did you do that oh that's really interesting blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. so you develop a relationship and in a sense you're sort of rehearsing a working relationship and so I think that was a big part of it as well like when they needed someone Dan was like you know well, I really think you know there's some good stuff because we talked about it for yeah. for a bunch of days. So I think it's a lot of a lot of different things. Whether it's you know it's history, it's people, it's ideas. So yeah. So like when you but when you were a kid, were you like game director? Yeah, or were you or did video games? Oh, I lo- I would have loved it. I didn't think that I didn't even was a job like that when I was a kid. <laughs> it was sort of like the you know I had the ColecoVision and the earlier you know the first Nintendo and Atari 2600. Right. Um, so I was engineers and artists, and I say that all the time, but. For me, I couldn't draw and I couldn't code, so it seemed like a fantasy. Yeah. So I, st- I came through journalism, through writing. So I did, you know, I did my a lot of my education in writing, and I wrote for magazines, and I wrote nonfiction articles for um, various video game magazines in in you know the UK in the 90s. Okay. And so you you sort of get an edge of it that way, and then when the industry blew up and expanded, you know, you find it you find a way in, and then sort of just cling on. <laughs> What was your like your first job in the industry? Like, I mean, oh, I it's guess gonna it's sound it's gonna sound weird, but my first job was lead designer because it was you know the turn of the two thousands and they you know they were just the role was just starting to appear, so everyone needed people and so there were lots of opportunities and I ended up yeah working on bad games in a strip mall in Australia where okay. I would so it was good. <laughs> Eating food from a truck that was delivered every day at twelve, a tasty truck. And the, and the, Sounds the, glamorous. It was very glamorous. Yeah, yeah you can. It's like you can see through time. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I can almost taste the food truck. <laughs> the sushi. From and a with, truck. The, with, with 
were these games for? Were they oh, like they were PC like Game games Boy, No, they were Game Boy games back in the day. So there was the, you know, it was the, it was the, the sort of bottom edge where. Game Boy Advance? Yeah, Game Boy nice. Advance. And the, the, <laughs> the, you had three months because your Activision just realized they signed a deal with Marvel for six games by Christmas or they defaulted on a contract and then they realized in September they'd done five. <laughs> You know what I mean? You just got you just got a fax that says Spider Man? Question mark? Question mark. Like on it. Yeah, exactly. It's like one of those what is it? What is it? Exactly. Spider Man. No. It's uh Fantastic Four. Ah. So you those those must have been it's weird. At the time now you look back and you say, Oh, that would be horrendous, but at the time you know, it was amazing opportunity. So kind of sounds to, fun in like a very, oh, super in, cool. in a very like weird, stressful way. Yeah, like, and you're learning a lot. So you, you know, usually I think the biggest learning curve for anyone in the creative side of games is the start to finish. So okay. from ideas to trying to make it to failing to hopefully eventually succeeding, and then editing it and getting it out there and seeing a reaction. And so that whole arc is the is the job. And so it was a fortuitous because I got to do essentially five of those arcs in a row on really small projects that no one was really paying attention to. So you learn very, very fast and you figure out oh, you know, the, the sort of scope and scale of ideas and yeah. what things resonate with people and you get to try stuff out um, in a low-risk environment. So yeah, it was good. And obviously I had a lot of friends at the time. It's still game development, so you work yeah. with a lot of people trying to make games and do their best. It's like shooting Super 8 films in the backyard with your friends. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it's a long road from that to actual making movies, but mm-hmm. it's there, there are a lot of shared skills. There is some like you're still pointing at camera at things and yes, kinda... and trying to tell a story and you know and trying to make it work. And then, then I guess it was, I think I, the first big game that I was Sims Two. Yeah, I went to I went to Maxis. I was lucky enough. Friends got uh, went to EA in the states and were saying I should go down there. So uh, I eventually sent a CV in around 2003. And so at the end of that, the end of 2003, I was in I was in California, and uh, yeah, I was uh, at Maxis. So that was cool. Okay. And Sims is, I mean, like that's fun. That again, that's a really Really yeah, Sims, too, Sims was cool. I mean, we were doing the console version, so it was a, it was a bit different at that time. But uh, no, it was a great franchise, especially because for me, I love it, but I don't love it as a player. I love it as a designer. Okay. You know, it's one of those games where, you know, I love how it works and, and what it does and how it occupies this unique corner of the games business. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't someone who spent, you know, thousands of hours playing The Sims. I, I enjoyed building it a lot. Okay. And you learn a huge amount, but it wasn't, it's not really my personal style of game okay do you play the games that you work on now i gen- i have a rule and the rule is generally i play them a year or two after we finish them because you play them so much during development that you're completely polluted and you have no perspective okay. anymore towards the end right. uh so to get an idea of am i happy with it finally you know uh generally sort of a year or so later two years later i play it and then they go oh that was a good one <laughs> or, uh, pacing there is all screwed up, so and then, 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 it's, then it's way too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, but also, and it's but it's also too late to be really upset about it as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, so if you play it the week after, you're sort of still in the mindset of making it and editing it. So you want to you want to take it back, and you're like, get so and so on yeah, the phone. We exactly. Can fix it. <laughs> then ship me back in the building. We're doing it. We're freaking out. Was there any? Uh, do you, any, do you, ever, do you ever like say when you were playing uh, Assassin's Creed Three, were you kind of like, oh, there's something. That I want to have done, not necessarily like a mistake, but you're just sort mm. of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if? And you're oh, like, it's, it's it's horrible. That's why I do it as well because it's just lists of things. It's yeah. never, you know, because uh, you know exactly what you were trying for. Whereas a lot of things are invisible. I think to players, they're you know, uh, that's not what we meant, or yeah. you know, we just missed it. Um, Far Cry Four, I think, will be an interesting one to play through because I think we we you know you learn a lot, especially from say some of the pacing challenges we had on AC3. Mm-hmm. So Far Cry is much faster. 
okay. and you know, and shoots along at a very rapid clip. Okay. Um, so it, you know, it's you bring what you learn from the last one to the next project. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's often things like that pacing or introduction of features. Or, yeah, you know, man, you kind of have your hands tied because it's at like the whim of the player. Like yes. If you're, if you're playing a Far Cry game and you're just sort of like, you gotta go to this village, it's on fire. You're like, maybe yeah. later. But it's more, it's more like <laughs> the stack of the stack of things you're asking them to do before they get to the next beat. You know, or the okay, next right. feature that you want. So sometimes yeah. you put too much in because the way you're playing it is very, very fast. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the systems and you truck through it. So usually you can bet that everything doubles, um, and then you forget when you're making the next one. You say like, "This has been an hour long," and you plan, and then you're watching it in Tesco. It's taking three hours. <laughs> What's happening? And you're like, "Oh, I guess because they don't know how to do this yet," and they're figuring. You just out see that this guy's like, he's trying to climb a tree, and there's no indication yeah, you can climb no, a tree. No, no, no one's ever said you chasing, can climb a tree in this game. Chasing like, a goat for like 20 yeah. minutes. I, I'd I feel remiss if I didn't bring this about about my own personal experience with Far Cry Three. Where it's like, because I found some things were kind of challenging, and, and, and some of the, like, again, I don't really play a lot well, of Well, that's quite games. bad at video games. And, but then, and then I got, and then once I had finished the main story, like the main campaign, then I started to do the other stuff, like going hunting and stuff. But it was only after I finished the main campaign that I was able to carry more weapons, right. and carry better weapons. <laughs> and I thought to myself, man, you know, this would have been really <laughs> helpful during the main campaign. Being able to carry more if than I would two have, guns. like, maybe bothered to go hunting once. Or <laughs> if I would have, like, so. It, but you know, like that being said, then you blow all your money playing poker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> we we covered the elephants. Uh, what do you think? In you know, in your opinion, what do you think the like the standout feature of Far Cry Four would be? Oh, for me, it's it's co-op in the open world. So we like to talk of Far Cry as a franchise, as a game that generates player stories. You know, it's something that yeah. that you play and the the fun story is what you did more than the story we told you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we were brainstorming, you know, about how to extend that for Far Cry 4, you know, with about a year to go, the obvious answer was if we can get the co-op that we were already sort of building on the side into the main campaign, so you with an elephant or a sniper rifle or a mortar or a wingsuit or whatever, yeah. crossed with your buddy with the same tools and how they fit together, the combinatorics of that, um, leads to sort of exponential stories. And you also go from a solo story, a solo narrative of me versus the world, to me and my buddy, you know? So are we a comedy duo? Are we a crime-fighting duo? Are we serious? <laughs> oh, you know, and I think you get all kinds of, you know, we get a whole other genres yeah. that way in terms of how, how players can interact with the world themselves. And that's, like, I haven't played 4 yet. It came out when we, as of recording, I think. Weeks was, ago. Three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. I'm so, I, I just got, there's a PS4 waiting for me. At the post office right now. So when we finish this, I'm going to get a PS4. And it's going to be one of the first things I do. Awesome. It's four. But the co-op, you can, you can like flip in and out, right? It's sort of... Yeah. You it's, can... it's, that was also important, the idea that, that it doesn't... You can't play the main story, the, the core story missions in co-op. Mm-hmm. But once your friend joins you, they all turn off and you can play everything else. So all the hunting, the towers, the outposts, the fortresses, the open world, the, the quests... So it means that you're not interrupted by cutscenes. It's really the story of you and your buddy right. doing whatever it is that you want to do for yeah, exactly. whatever reason. So if you're reason, like, oh, I'm in this new area. I have like XYZ outposts I could take over and whatever. I call up Walter and I'm like, yo, Walter, get online. And he's yep. like, and I, I don't know how to get online. Screw everything up for you. I'm very yeah. bad at video. <laughs> and it, doesn't matter. it also doesn't matter if you're at the end of the game and he's at the start because you're not going to give away spoilers because he's not going to see your mid-game cutscene yeah. even though he just got back from the store with a, with a copy of the game. So right. I like how it works, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, really cool. I, that was obviously... I don't have a ton of friends who play Far Cry, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make them. Well, that's the yeah, goal. That's, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> like, that's the goal. Sell one extra coffee. That's what exactly. we need. Exactly. But be like, buy it. I, I think I have a couple people who I could get in on. Like I I know that like I I really I picked up the series at two, mm. and I re- really 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 enjoyed two. And despite of its like 
huge shortcomings, at least like at, when we look back at it now, like there's no story in two, yep. right, at all, which was kind of weird because you talk about you kind of want to get away from the story, but you're like, you kind of want a bit of one because in two, you're kind of like, I have no idea. We need a frame. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I have no idea why I'm doing any of this. <laughs> like, I was just like, I know I have to, and it's a lot of fun, but like, you have no idea if you're a bad person or a good person, and it doesn't. Yeah. And if you are a bad person or a good person, it doesn't really change the no. game. That was this is a game from years ago, and I really got into it when three came out. Super, super into it. So I've been. Was Far Cry were like? Had you played the originals, and were you like when four came up to you? Were you like, oh, this is? Oh I'm yeah, really no, that, I mean, I, I, I gunning for it. I loved all three of fighting them. other. Directors. Well, there's actually more. There's technically, if you count Instincts and Predator and those things, there's a few more on the side. Yeah, but of the yeah. three main. Far Cry's, yeah, I loved. I love different parts of all three of them. So it's, it's again, it's fascinating because they're all different expressions of open world shooting, mm-hmm. you know, player expression. So yeah. these three sort of pillars, which are both really interesting questions in game design. So again, when you, you know, it connects to your previous question about do you, you know what is a franchise and how you know much yeah. does it affect you? And that's what's fun about it is that it affects you as much as you want it to. Mm-hmm. So you have these sort of areas to explore, and if they overlap. And they do for me with areas of personal interest. Then it's great. This is there, there's a very good chance I would have chosen shooting, open world, emergent narrative as pillars if we were doing something from scratch. So yeah. you know, it's not it's not a big stretch. So other than the Far Cry games, what other like were you do you play games when you're developing another game or oh yeah, I mean it's like it depends. you need to like do you have like a game that you unwind and is it just like well I play I play relentlessly so you know a bit less with the with the kid now but. Okay. Uh, um, no, I play all the time. About the only things I play, probably everything that you play is the only things I don't play. So I don't play sports <laughs> games, and I don't. Well, play... wrestling games are hardly sports. Games. There you let's go. Not, I don't not, play. Yeah. I don't play sports games with dress ups. Oh. And then I don't. And I don't. <laughs> oh and man. I don't, I don't play uh, racing games. But apart from that, I play pretty much everything. Do you have anything like? Are there any indie titles? That, since you said that you wouldn't mind, maybe if the opportunity presents itself doing something small. Is there any indie titles that you're oh, there's, like, I mean, there's, really into there's, right now? There's a, there's a huge bunch. I think it's interesting to see them. You know, often they're, they're, they're exp- explorations of sort of smaller, more focused ideas, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So Gone Home, I liked a lot. I always thought that if I was going to spin off, you know, into something and try to do something smaller, you know, they, you could do what they did, which is remove the traditional narrative and just mm-hmm. leave the the narrative of exploration and and you know in physical storytelling okay so i thought that was a there was not only a a, a great game but a you know, good use of uh of time and resources yeah um there's a uh, super meat boy i was a big fan of okay no i, I thought the tuning on the levels for that were was amazing and that they weren't just you know solve these problems jump over these things get yeah. to the end of the level but that if you paid attention every level can be solved with a locked stick so you can do it at full sprint yeah perfectly and that's that's a hard challenge to solve. I was like, getting through Super Meat Boy is rough to begin oh, with. To do, it, to do it at a flat out sprint. Is yeah, like... and that would became my goal. You know, just to finish the game without without slowing down once yeah. on every level. So I, I thought that was terrific. But there's, I don't, I don't, I think the the line, unless we're going to say it's budget, maybe, which even for some of them is not true. You know, mm. if you go to Journey or something, they're not cheap games. That's yeah. like five years of Sony's money. You know, yeah. and therefore, what does independence mean if you're fully paid by Sony. So right. I think the whole line between indie and, and I don't know, even know what you call the rest. Mainstream? Mainstream, I, I guess, <laughs> is uh, is a bit blurry and silly. You know, I'd rather yeah, yeah, we yeah. just talked about good ones and bad ones. Yeah. You know, in I both. guess like, or big games and small games. Like, cause right, it kind of sure. doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 like, exactly. Because I mean, like, the the last indie title that I played that was like recent was uh, Hohokam. 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and that's like a ton of fun. But I think it was also released by Santa Monica. If I'm not right, exactly. You, you know, you, so you're, you're just like, like Santa Monica, and you're like the guys who did God of War, but you're oh, like yeah. that's the studio. We, but then you're like playing this little kite that's flying around. And, you're and like, you know, I mean, it's all. And the funny thing is, that it feels like people trying to pick sports teams, and then you know, lots of my friends go in and out. They, you know, I've worked with them on big projects, mm-hmm. and then they've gone on to make like Genova Chan. He worked with me at Maxis briefly, yeah. and then he's off making Journey. You yeah. know, so. Uh, Guacamole is a whole bunch of guys from the big studios in Toronto who yeah. went off on their own. So it's a terrific game. There's, there's, it's very blurry on the dev side. People are, people are all over the map. You know, now Cliff Blazinski's got an indie studio. Yeah. Is he indie? You know, <laughs> is he's Ferrari indie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess now. Yeah. That's um, not what I like. So, but, and Ubisoft has some smaller games. Yeah, for sure. And I think Ubi, I mean, that's why so many talented friends still, you know, work here is that, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of games coming out of Ubisoft, a lot of diversity of experiences and mm-hmm. a lot of diversity of scale. Yeah. So I think Ubi, Ubi's, you know, been great. And is there kind of like, there's, not to say it's like safe, but like, barring a catastrophe, games like Far Cry and Assassin's Creed are gonna, they're gonna keep the com- like the company afloat, right? Like, well, you, you hope so, but you, 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 if you go through the like, history, even of a Ubisoft, they come and go. That's yeah. the scary thing. So Splinter Cell's a huge pillar, and then yeah, you know, exactly. we don't do them anymore. Oh, Prince of Persia yeah. is the same. Yeah. You know, if, if Sonic can fail Sega, right? There's there no, you go. Like all bets are all bets are all off. Bets but, are it, off. but at the same time, is that like a bit of one of the reasons why you're like, oh, okay, I do have a a bigger studio to work with, so the possibility of maybe doing something smaller under the Ubisoft umbrella is possible. It's not like, yeah, I hope so. I mean, that that's almost a question. Ask me in a year. <laughs> that one. Uh, one year. Uh, one year. December we'll be back. second, two thousand fifteen. We'll be back when it drops below <laughs> minus ten. We'll be back here. Um, yeah, but hopefully, hopefully. I had uh, one sort of one more broad kind of question. Um, the fact that you were working on this and this is like one of the you know first games for this new generation of consoles. Mm. Did that uh, provide more opportunities for you or challenges? Would you say? Uh, it's it's a bit of both in that it's a technical challenge to try and keep the game experience uniform across multiple platforms, especially when some are you know the previous generation of hardware and some are the the, the latest hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a decision if you make it up front, then that's just the rule. You know, you're building for one and then doing everything you can on the newer hardware to to upgrade it. So it is it is technically challenging, which luckily is not the bit I have to worry about. <laughs> uh, and I think you know, it's not that it restricts you in terms of what you can do, but uh, you you know you, you there's I mean it was actually not even true I was going to say maybe there's something else you could do but the new new consoles are basically just super powered versions of the last generation mm-hmm. there's not a there's not a new peripheral really there's not a new right. sort of thing alongside it so mm-hmm. I don't know that we would have done anything differently even if even if we were just on the new generation it wasn't like they suddenly had the Wii U controller no exactly <laughs> and then you're like using it or you're not selling so you know yeah, it's exactly. a, yeah we didn't have that yeah so I guess that that's kind of where and are you so since you are probably one of the, you're like in the first batch of people that's developed anything for the uh, for the Xbox One or the PS4. Are you like excited? Or are you like, oh, we've just started and there's like a lot more that we can do on this? Or are you? Oh, I think I'm, I'm always I'm a <laughs> huge gamer first, so I love the smell of new plastic. So anytime yeah, yeah. you can get you know a new piece of hardware, you'll have a lovely evening when you unwrap your PlayStation Four. It's a great piece of kit. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And there are there are lots of under the hood streamlining of you know the interface of the 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 the, the shops of the menus of the online capabilities as well as just more grunt and so the, you you never you never say no to more power yeah but I, I it'll be interesting to see because this generation I really think will be about design okay. design execution more than hey I found this funny 
side feature or this peripheral or you know yeah. i don't think there'll be many gimmicks that you'll be able to get away with this generation so right that, I'm, I'm looking forward to that and uh I, I, one, I just thought of something else when uh, after far cry 3's initial release day there was then the i guess you can call it a spin-off uh, with the uh, blood, blood dragon, dragon yep which is awesome mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> do you think something similar uh stands to happen maybe for we, it'll be interesting four? to see it's one, it's one of those discussions where everyone likes to think there's a vast conspiracy of pre-planning that goes on <laughs> and that all these things you know dlcs we've already made and took off the disc and you're like none of <laughs> none of it's true you know and so we're still working on extra content for far cry 4 um, and then soon I think we'll sit down and, and have some conversations about what we could do. Um, and I think the best thing about Blood Dragon was it was surprising. People didn't see it coming. No. So the, the, the same, trying to pull up the same trick would be, would be good fun. Yeah, it was great. Blood Dragon was amazing. Like, yeah. I remember like Blood Dragon, I think was the first game since I was like a teenager where a buddy of mine just like sat and watched me play. Yeah, well, it's probably because <laughs> it, it was just it, like, it did mainline looking at you. I'm guessing your age, you know, the eighties would have been seminal. So, you know, it's <laughs> one of those, it's one of those things where it hits the, hits the, hits the, uh, nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. That's it. We're just sort of like, oh, like, let's just watch this go. And you're just like dying of laughter and there's so much like fun stuff. So awesome. I guess I'm looking at clock on the wall. I'm thinking maybe we do five questions. We should probably do five questions. We wrap up every podcast of asking, uh, same three questions to every guest. Then we ask, and I have that five you have question. question? Ready, yes. so then we ask a question from our previous guest to you, and then you ask a question into the future to our future guest. Oh, I like it. All right. Do I get to know who the future guest is? No. No. Okay. <laughs> yes, you do. He does. He does? Uh, no, he doesn't. No, that, that will that will. I was like, the I was like, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was like, <laughs> we, we're like, we're like, we're we're doing a couple podcasts today, so I'm all kind of disjointed. Exactly. It was. It's it's close to we maybe would have known, but we don't quite know. Awesome. Uh, all right, so the first question is, Walter, do you remember them? First question, what is the greatest, Keith, what nope. did you do this to me? What did you want to be when you grow up? Uh, I'm very lucky. This is what I, well, I, I'll answer it three different ways. When I was very <laughs> small, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Okay. And then I realized after doing a degree in archaeology that those people never die. So <laughs> there is no work for budding archaeology until you're 60, which is, very sad state of So are you excited for the new Jurassic Park? Film? I was I, well. <laughs> don't make me say that on on air. Uh, I'll be like Neil deGrasse, you know, Tyson going on about the, the archaeology of that trailer. Um, no, but I wanted to be a game developer. To be honest, so okay. I was very fortunate. I went through different you know jobs along the way, but I'm I'm excited because I ended up kind of where I wanted to be. So yeah. it's cool. I can imagine, especially as you were saying, if you weren't weren't into coding and Went into art. You were just sort of like, I want to make these. Yeah. Do you have any skills? No. <laughs> uh, I can write a pretty good story. Yeah. I'll make That's the coffee. You're giving me hope here because I got a degree. In, I got a degree in journalism. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm what? 10, 15 Far years away 10, from this? Like, Creative director. <laughs> You'll take my job. Uh, question number two is, uh, what's the worst fashion choice you ever made? Uh, I, I, we have people who want to probably dyeing in. my hair blonde or attempting to and turning it instead into a, a horrible, you know, version of carrot tops hair was cool. probably the worst yeah and i didn't think hair Shooting had much to do with it you know orange, what i mean but yeah. I, I make an absolutely hideous blonde i've never been so <laughs> invisible to women in my life as when i was about 22 so I yeah, see you was... maybe, maybe actually looking like a far cry villain oh it was horrible hair. yeah <laughs> exactly i look like pagan men yeah. get out the nice suit. were you in uh is this in australia still so? yeah still in australia okay yeah. i was like somehow it seems more acceptable in australia well it's the land where fashion died so <laughs> you know, well, maybe Maybe <laughs> previous guest uh, and, and fellow Aussie uh, John Bennett. Uh, yeah, I think as as 
maybe one of the best worst fashion choices ever. What he's, was that? I don't know, but I just seem to remember his being particularly pretty, pretty terrible. He had like yeah. like shorts tucked into socks or yeah. something. Like, yeah, it it's weird. It's also the thing you've got to remember, and I, and I I was realizing this the other day is if you go to New York or Montreal or France or wherever, it's cold most of the time, so you get to make a choice about fashion putting yourself together. Mm-hmm. In Australia, it's really hot. So you really don't, there's a, half your wardrobe is already eliminated. Yeah. So you're down to, so it's pretty loose and pretty sloppy. Like I need to make a statement in two articles of yeah, clothing. Yeah, so right? people just cease to care. <laughs> exactly. Generally. It's too hot to care about that. Like stuff. shoes are even optional. Optional. Yeah. <laughs> they might not even be part of this outfit Fact. by the time I'm done. This is a question where it's really important that you do not think hard about the answer because then you'll overthink it. Which is kind of the rule for most questions we ask, but anyway. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, who's the greatest person of all time? Greatest person of all yeah. time? Man, man, don't think too hard. That's a horrible. Here's why it's a horrible question. I'll tell you why it's a horrible question, and then I'm, which is stopping me from thinking they're about most, it. So again, right. they're mostly horrible questions. Yeah, because because you it. feel like you should pick someone worthy, and then your mind immediately goes to just well, no, they go, it goes to personal heroes, yeah. you know, and most of them are actually not very good people. So you know, it's one of those those things. Uh, gosh, I have a I have a, a lot of fondness for for various novelists, so I'm going to go with sort of a, a mix of Kurt Vonnegut, Philip K. Dick. And Joseph Heller. It's a pretty, pretty great three list. Three-way tie. We'll all three-way tie. Like three-way tie. Heller, Thick, Vonnegut. That's a pretty, that's a, spe- it'd pretty, be a very, that's a broad spectrum of, yeah. of like, intellectually challenged individuals. It'd be, yeah. it'd be a, mo- it'd be a wreck. That human being would be a wreck. If you ever want your name taken off of a game, you should instead replace it with Dick Heller Vonnegut. It's genius. That should be exactly. Your, your, but now, your, unfortunately, Alan Smithy. It will be spoiled. <laughs> They'll be like, it was, yeah. he said <laughs> it, it was, in an he, interview. He said it in the interview. <sighs> yeah, like a known to film of Dick Heller. Yeah, no, or as Alan Smithy is like, it's just three really famous and well-respected authors. Right. Question <laughs> four, Walter. This is from local punk rock musician. Uh, no, this is one no, is actually is from Leland Beckman. Leland Beckman, local. Who was, who was on our last episode, which is being recorded. <laughs> this is our last episode. Uh, our last guest, Leland Beckman, who is a multifaceted musician, uh, comedian, entertainer extraordinaire. He asks, uh, what was the best Christmas gift you ever got when you were a child? You received when you were a child? Oh, he's one. Yeah, no, the best, the best I ever got was a ColecoVision when I was seven years old. So one of the, the sort of primordial video game consoles. Right. But it's funny how little has changed because it came with a, I had a racing wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was seven, so that's a long time ago, I had uh, 16, or well, maybe even eight. I don't know you can cast anything around. Eight or 16 colors green was amazing. Yeah. Uh, eight or 16. I feel like there's a big I, difference. Well, there. it's, it's, eight, it's eight, double, 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 double colors. Yeah. Uh, but I can't remember which, which generation exactly it, it was. But, uh, yeah, that introduced me to all that sort of stuff and the sort of blinding obsession of... Did you know? Did you know what games? it was when you opened the box, or you were just sort of like the future's in this box? I didn't know it was a ColecoVision, but I knew what it was. If okay. that makes any sense, I knew what it did. Yeah. So then, I, then I had to ask Dad. You know, that's how young you are when you're like, Dad, set this up now. Yeah, you know, not yeah, like yeah. just give it to me. You're like, make it work for me. Yeah, put the thing in the thing, and then let me play. <laughs> was it connected through VCR? You no, know, it was connected through. Uh, you had to tune it in with uh, the old. Uh, uh, actually, turn the knob. With oh, the knob. Wow. Yeah, you had to select your channel, right, and then tune it in, and you'd see it sort of wave to yeah. light, like yeah. go from gray Ooh, to wobble yeah, to yeah. slight color. So it was magic. See, that's way more magic than just turning it on. Three okay. or four, I want to say. I can't even remember. <laughs> I can't. It's lost in the mists of time. Yeah, yeah for me, the the first, I remember because the first console we had was the NES, but like my buddies had uh the like the twenty six hundred. So yep. like I knew what video games were. But and I also knew what the NES was. A couple of people had yep. them, so it's like I was aware. But I remember my like an older friend of mine got the twenty six hundred and only like knew about video games on paper. 
like had never played one but was just like still completely excited at the possibility of just sort of like I'm going to be playing a video game. Well, I think like people, I don't know what that is. No, but kids today they forget that. Uh, isn't that an amazing sentence? Kids today they <laughs> they uh, forget that the magic of controlling something on a screen was new. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I go with the four channels, you know, you know that that was it, and nothing moved. You couldn't interact with anything on that. So the moment you could actually, you know, move something, even yeah. something simplistic, was was like sorcery. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's something something's been lost. Yeah. Because like, I mean, that's why I was reading there was a. A friend of mine pointed me to uh, pointed me to an article that was talking about the people that did the old Atari box arts. And, oh, it's amazing! And how, but first of all, it was a really small group of people who did like all of them across yep. all the different companies. And second of all, like how important their job was because they were like, their job was telling you what that line meant on the screen. Yep. It was just a little line yeah. moving yeah, up and down. In the gaps. And you're like, no, that's a spaceship. And you're yep. like, and that's the only like theme time where the game actually looks. Yep. Real is on that art on the box, and I was like, "That's such a crazy." It's cool, and it's like the old Penguin Classics. They had a beautiful uniformity to yeah. them as well, where they had a house style, which is which is too yeah. rare these days. It's all the same artist on the on the cover of every every book or whatever. But same thing with the games. But it was just I thought that was so cool that you're like the the box design was so important to you as a kid because you're like, "Am I in the jungle or am I on a space station?" The box tells me because the game can't. Oh, and it's, you know? a, it's <laughs> not to spin wildly off topic, but it's also really interesting when you get into current discussions about inclusi- inclusivity and gender and race and, and role in video games because I think people forget that video games come from a place where that was a non-issue. Yeah. Not because you were something, but because you were anything. Right. You know, when I started out, I was a green square <laughs> or a P. I was a P a lot early yeah. on. PC. And so I think for a lot of developers especially, the concept is you're, you're you. So whatever, this is the shell that you inhabit, but you're you. And as we've become more fully realized in being something, mm-hmm. um, it's become an issue, which is bizarre, right? right. It's like the, it's yeah. sort of appeared, yeah. and now we need to solve it, but it wasn't there for the first it you wasn't know, the problem at all. 20 years of, of game development. For sure. Question five. Flip the table, and yeah, uh, is where you get to come up with. And I don't know, and I don't know who it is without knowing the guesses. Mm. Any question you want. So I presume they're in some sort of field or output field. They make something. Yeah, they do probably something. Typically yeah. something that they could, you know, uh, as we've we've had visual the, artists, we've had comedians, we've had writers, we've had comic book artists, professional wrestlers, yeah. we've had professional wrestlers. Uh, so, so all right, my question will be more about whatever they do. How will you know the time has come to stop? Very pessimistic question. No, because it could be you've achieved your goals. I was like, can you answer it? No, that's why I want to know the answer. <laughs> I was like, I want to know someone else. I want to know. It should be a difficult question. But no, because, you know, are you, is there something you want to make? And once you've made it, you know, I want to win the Academy Award. You know, right. I win a Grammy. Or, you know, my mom cheers finally. Sure. You know? <laughs> Jimmy comes out of his coma. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. You're right. So wait, I want to get the wording right. How do you know when to stop? How will you know when it's time to stop? And then not the pessimistic version. So you have to frame it as that. Right. I'm not I, asking that, you when will you that's die. A, that, that says a lot about me. It's like, yeah, exactly. When will you have failed enough to know that you yeah. shouldn't do this <laughs> Stop anymore? Stop doing the thing because no one's going to like it. Yeah, exactly. But, okay. But on the flip side about that, though, like, there is, like, a certain element of maybe your first failure is when you stop. Like, if you think of yourself as, like, a big, mm. big-time, like, movie director, there's some of them who you're like... I'm going to go ahead and say it. George Lucas maybe shouldn't have made all the prequels. He should have let it go. He should have maybe made one and been like, this is getting away from me, guys. And then maybe we could have salvaged them. And he's like, nope, this is going to, you know, yep. like, it's so true. that like, that like, oh, I really, this got well, away from me. Well, then you're, then you're, then your question is related to, is the person at the peak of their success or are they just starting out? So they will be two different, you'll get two different answers. Yeah. 
So, how do you know when it's time to stop not pessimistic? <laughs> <laughs> not in a pessimistic way. It hasn't, like, been a giant failure. I don't know. Like, so, Walter, don't, have, don't have me ask the question. Walter, when, how do you know it's time to stop? For you? I, I clearly never know when it's time to stop. I've been <laughs> performing five years of largely unpaid stand-up comedy, so, and I'm still doing it. So. Tuesday morning, 2 a.m., that's when you stop. Exactly, yeah. I think so. I, I have no idea when I would stop. Like, I don't even know what I would stop doing. So normally, norm, <laughs> normally at this point in the podcast, we, you know, we, we, we will have largely spent most of the hour, uh, shooting the shit, as it were, mm. and, uh, and then we'll, like, cram in what we need to plug, but I think we've, we've gotten to it. We plugged. We've, I think we're plugged. plugged. Yeah. Uh, we're fully is there anything else, any other detail you want to get to, or any, something to me that hasn't been announced yet regarding? I'm really no, we're for, out. We're really out. looking for an I was like, you guys are here. like, we're yeah. very yeah. done. People yeah. have, people have played it. It's yeah, already, yeah, people have finished it. Exactly. People are, are you kind of, like, and he said, you don't really know exactly what's coming up for you. You're going to be taking. Nope. Presumably, you're not from Someone Montreal. Someone through the wall and be traveling and a little bit. No, we don't. We're off. done with that as well. Like we've we've already done all the promo stuff. So, do you get time off after, or are you? Uh, do you have yeah, any... we had a little bit. We're going to Vegas on Thursday, so nice. the last thing is for the VGA. So that'll be fun. Maybe that's why my friend's going to Vegas. Yeah, yeah not in Vegas. Like, <laughs> a friend of mine was like, "I'm leaving for Vegas on Wednesday," and I was like, I "Oh, okay. go to Vegas all the time." Yeah, people just go to Vegas. It might be for the video game awards. Yeah. Yeah. Even a real. Do you have a uh, what? So I have Far Cry Four. Uh, what other game do I buy for Christmas? Oh gosh! Since I mean, obviously the answer. Well, is Far I, won't, Cry I can't 4. plug anything from you because that just sounds self-serving. Yeah. Uh, but can you plug anything else? I would is? go buy. It. <laughs> <laughs> can I? This is like a trick question. Uh, I, I just want to say at this point there has been another person in the room the whole time, yes. and I feel like her job is just waiting for him to say something wrong. Yeah. Is that <laughs> am I right? There? Yeah. <laughs> We've done, we've done so she's like, like, I can't plug, plug something for We always for know UB. it's a serious podcast when there's like a person that doesn't speak in the room with <laughs> Yeah, <them>. like <laughs> watching, I feel the eyes boring to <laughs> exactly. my head. Uh, go buy Alien Isolation. Alien Isolation? Yeah, because it's got mixed reviews, especially from sort of stateside journalists, but I think overall it's a really tight execution of a great idea about you versus one creature in an environment, and okay. I think it's really interesting, and it's the first Alien or Aliens game that actually captures the mood of the original film. So I think it's really worth playing. That game almost made a friend of mine like drop everything and buy a PS4, and then he like budgeted. But I, now that you've endorsed it, I'm probably I was awesome. I was I was skeptical on it because of the mixed yep. reviews. Yep. But uh, but that's what I think that's the future too. I think you you know mixed reviews are okay. It's all right for half the people to hate it if half the people love it. If yeah. everyone's a seven, then you're in trouble. But if <laughs> it's if it's nines and and fives, I'm okay with that. You know, it's, yeah, it's for sure. I mean, I don't think that's and I think that's where you want to kind of want to be creatively too. You don't want to make a movie for everybody. No, and you don't want to make a game for Only everybody. Pixar does that. Yeah, exactly. and they always make the same movie. Based <laughs> on your endorsement of Alien Isolation, is it safe to say uh, that the next Far Cry game will take place in space, or is that confirmed now? Confirmed. Confirmed. Far Cry Five. Far Cry. Far Cry in space versus Jason. Yes. Yeah. There you go. See, now you're making money. <laughs> you should move to Hollywood. There you go. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Today. Thanks really for having me. That was awesome. This. this is great. Great showing us your digs. That was awesome. Yeah. Rock and roll. Walter, do you have anything you want to? Happy Christmas. Uh yeah, Mary, I guess this is going to be our episode. This uh, is our Christmas pre- episode. Yeah, so uh, and Merry Christmas, and hope you get enough money to get a PS4 and uh, or Xbox One or whatever console you want, and uh, games and stuff. Yeah, thanks everybody. Thank you. Those sweet, sweet piano tunes.
tunes you're listening to right now come courtesy of Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude. Oh man, that was some great podcasting, wasn't it? Anyhow, be sure as always to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add us on iTunes, buy our stuff, and basically try as hard as you can to make us happy in every single way possible. Uh, of course, be sure to check back every day on 9to5.cc for comics on Wednesdays, podcasts on Thursdays, Scott or Sophie's art on Fridays, and seriously, we'll try as hard as we can to get Zombies and Loathing, Fuck Mondays, and Templars back as soon as we can. Thanks for listening, everyone. 9to5.cc We're not working, why should you?